Today on episode 425, we get to sit down and chat with Dr. Robert Heemstra. We get to talk all about using ketamine as a therapy for depression, anxiety, OCD, and addiction. This was a really cool conversation. Chrissy and myself, we didn't really actually know a whole lot about ketamine, so it was really cool to do a complete rundown on what it would be like to use and the benefits that it offered. We're going to get into that conversation here in just a moment. Before we do that, of course, we need to introduce ourselves, right, Chrissy? (laughs) Always a good idea. Anyway, my name is Chris Hollifield. And my name is Chrissy Hollifield. And as we sit down to record this intro of this podcast, it is Sunday, March 22nd. I would say we're at the beginning of a pandemic here, Chrissy. Yep, I think that is accurate. The beginning, at least in the United States. It's been about a week in. It's so crazy because it feels like it's been going forever, but it really just is the beginning. Uh, we've kind of uh, isolated ourselves in our home. We're social distancing. We're keeping to ourselves. We're watching a lot of movies, <laughs> listening to a lot of podcasts. Yep. And that means that uh, there's going to be some switches, some little changeroos with I Am Salt Lake podcast because all of our podcast interviews are in person. Right. That's really how, I mean, we've maybe done two or three in the past that I've put up that have been over Skype. Right. Luckily, we have three interviews that we did in the past past few weeks that we've been holding on to. We're going to be releasing those. One of those episodes is this one, actually, with Robert Heemstra, and then next week with uh, Talia Keys, and uh, they've got another one. And so anyway, we're going to have to do probably a few interviews uh, over Skype or something. Yeah, so, we'll have to, this, this is forcing us to mix it up a little bit, so maybe we'll create something newish for you guys. We're just doing our part, right? And hopefully, exactly. hopefully you guys are all doing your part by social distancing and spending time with your family. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And if this is your first time listening to this podcast, you might be wondering what it's all about. Well, this podcast is all about showcasing awesome people right here in Salt Lake City, Utah. We get to talk to business owners, comedians, authors, tattoo artists, restaurant owners, breweries, distilleries, really anyone who might have a cool story to share. I know there's a lot of listeners. You guys are thinking of moving to Salt Lake City, or I know a lot of you are looking at getting out of the rent game and owning your own home. Well, you need to contact our good friend Monique at Market Source Real Estate because she actually helped us find the home that we're quarantined in right now. Can you imagine if we hadn't gone through her to find our home that we could be quarantined in right now? And it's a beautiful home. I really, I I don't mind. (laughs) And for the last 20 years, Market Source Real Estate has been specializing in helping people just like you buy and sell homes in Sugar House as well as the greater Salt Lake area. And they have a background of flipping houses as well. And they've owned almost 20 homes themselves. So they're going to know all the ins and outs of older homes if older homes are your thing. And if you're looking to sell your home, Market Source Real Estate specializes in helping sellers update or repair their homes to increase their value and make sellers more money. All right. So if you're looking to move to Salt Lake or if you're just looking to move across town, give our friend Monique a call at Market Source Real Estate. You can find all of her info on her website, thinksaltlakecity.com, or just give her a call, 801 810 6773. And many thanks to Market Source Real Estate for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Let's get into that conversation that we had with uh, Dr. Robert Heemstra when he came over to our podcast studio, and we got to find out everything about ketamine. This is awesome. It's a fun conversation. Enjoy it. Thank you for listening. I like to even just find out, like kind of lay a little story for our listeners, right? Get to know who is, who is Bob? Like, where were you born? Where's home? How, what's, what's a little bit of that story there? 
Well, I was born pretty far away from anything that I really remember, at least of those of that time in general. Blue Island, Illinois. Okay. Not an island, but uh, but back there, I left when I was one and moved to Denver. So Denver has my first memories. I was there until I was 15 and was just a conventional Denver guy doing the sports and all that. And then, but life picked up when we moved to California and I became a SoCal surf rat original, uh, just right away. And, uh, continued on that mode in California, uh, going to UC Santa Barbara, mostly so I could still surf. (laughs) Then I went to UCLA for medical school and, uh, bounced around a whole bunch after that. Most of it close to surf, California, Hawaii. I was in Alaska for a little bit. Were you surfing in in Alaska? I wasn't surfing in Alaska. I was wondering, can you surf in Alaska? You can with dry suits and okay, because they do it. At, yeah, probably cold nowadays with the surf population increasing hugely and everybody looking for you know individual isolated waves. Alaska is finally there. It's like fact. the last resort. <laughs> do you miss like, surfing? Oh, I still go down and do some, but uh, actually, the last four years I've been locked into this ketamine practice. So I really haven't had a chance to get out there. Oh, I bet. Uh, for the most part, my shoulders have kind of wasted me as far as being a really active, conventional surfer, at least on short boards. I can get into a wave on a long board, but I'm probably a paddle boarder now, you know, where you stand up and do it is probably what's left to me, or the new electric boards. They have electric surfboards and electric hydrofoil surfboards where you can go 20 miles an hour with just the battery inside the surfboard. What? Is that so like people like me who are super klutzes can actually try to surf? Or me without shoulders. Interesting. Where I can get on that thing and I'm real excited about the possibility. Yeah. Do you ever worry about sharks? I (laughs) have in the past, certainly. I've Seen a few diving, not that much. I just saw the coolest surf flick on an Oregon reef. Okay. I think it's Nilstat. I'm getting the name slightly wrong, but there's a great reef in Oregon where there's cold water. And if there's surfers in cold water, there's going to be great whites. And they actually had this situation where this guy was recounting an episode where he was next to a surfer that was grabbed by a great white right in front of him, pulled underwater, came back up again, this time pounding on the shark's back, right? Pulled down again. And the guy's sitting there getting his PTSD and qualifying himself for ketamine for sure. And the guy comes up again, this time without the shark, looks down and starts complaining about the holes in his wetsuit from the shark bite. And then now they, that's a surfer. That's a surfer. <laughs> I mean, totally cool, right? Wow. Not even frightened. He's, he's bummed about his wetsuit. He's like, oh, and that stupid fish ruined my like, wetsuit. And the next shot, they, they show him in the ER, and he has three really cool four-inch triangular-shaped divots in his over his right hip. Holy cow. And... I'll tell you right now, if you want one, I can put one in pretty cheap. 
I charge $200 per tooth mark, but you'll be able to show it off. And no. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great side practice. <laughs> oh, I know. Plastic surgery. You know, they, they have a hard, there just aren't enough lips and breasts for them, right? <laughs> they should be put in California, at least. Shouldn't they be putting on uh, right? uh, conversational shark bites? I'd love one on my shoulder. Let's talk about ketamine. All right. That's the good stuff. That's why we brought you here. How long have you been working ketamine. with this stuff, man? Like, what got you interested in it? I mean, I, I don't know a whole lot about ketamine. I don't even think Chrissy really needs, knows really a whole lot I really don't. I mean, from what I understand, it helps with anxiety, PTSD. It was a raver drug like back in the day, wasn't it? Was a little it really? special K, a little... It was that. It has been that. Yeah. I've actually been familiar with ketamine for a long time, but not as uh, a mental health drug. As an ER doctor... This is a general anesthetic, and it has roles in the emergency room for that. Not so much as a general anesthetic, because it's not really a very good one, because it doesn't relax your muscles completely. Uh, the fact that it keeps you breathing uh, makes it a unique anesthetic for certain procedures, like a broken arm that needs to be reduced. Ketamine can be a great drug for that. Or... A baby with a laceration on its face. You're saving the parents the pain of watching their kid being tied down and crying while it's sewed up. That's, I wonder, that's the alternative. I wonder if that's what they used on our son. When he was one years old, he fell over and broke his lip open really bad all the way up to his yeah, nose completely. They probably did. And he looked like kind of a dead fish. Yeah, while right. they were he just lie there. They didn't have to breathe for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just kind of went probably have little quiet. kind of funny eye twitches every now and then. Yeah, I had no idea. That was probably ketamine. Interesting. Do they, they don't ask people if they want to use it or something? Oh, well, you usually have to sign a consent for it. It's uh, I probably had to. I don't, I don't remember. That, yeah, you signed a whole bunch I, of I walk into in a place there. and I'm like, just I'll sign everything. Just fix it. I know oh. you signed a few and there was probably that specific. Yeah, there, probably. Yeah. So... In that scenario, it's it's a very cool drug, but that's <laughs> totally separate from the mental health stuff. And then right around the year 2000, people started to figure out, finally, that which is 30 years after it was started its use as a general anesthetic, it was recognized that it worked against depression. But what to do with it? Big Pharma doesn't want to get it out there. Because it's going to be competing with its billion-dollar antidepressant industry. Because this one works, theirs doesn't, right? Or at least if there's if SSRIs work, it's minimal, small percentage. Whereas ketamine is just gigantic. Eighty percent of people have positive responses to it. So and how in, does... in the world of depression, that's giant. Oh, that's huge. I mean, and disclaimer, I know I only know like very little snippets about ketamine, but what's like the experience? You know, what, how often do you go in? You know, is it like extended release? What's the whole thing? Well, experience, which part of experience? The actual drug experience that you will have in different measures and it'll change throughout is that of a psychedelic with a little bit more meat. Like this can make you more nauseated. It'll do that much easier. It, in, in the higher doses, starts to affect your 
muscular system, your, your neurology, so you, you can't walk. The most dangerous thing about ketamine is going to the bathroom really? because of the fall risk. Oh, right. wow. So the actual drug itself is really pretty darn safe. There are some situations where uh, in anesthesiology, there are definite side effects. Mm-hmm. Almost all of those are in higher doses, the kind where you're taking out an appendix. Oh, the, right. The dosage that we use for most of mental health stuff is one one hundred twentieth is where we start off and may get down to one fortieth. It's like microdosing. Well, relative to the general anesthesia, microdosing as a psychedelic term is one where you don't experience the psychedelia. Okay. So this is micro for ketamine general anesthesia, but it would be considered full psychedelia for the actual psychedelic experience. This is a man-made drug. Totally synthetic. Totally synthetic. So why, if it works for depression, works for PTSD, works for all these things, why aren't they using this in all the hospitals, all the doctors? Why why is it so Well, that's the question of the last 20 years. But it's not really a question. It's just bottom line uh, approach to it. Ketamine is off-label. Well, it's off-label in that it's not described as it hasn't been okayed by the FDA for depression. But why don't they test it for depression? That's what I don't understand. If it's showing signs of it, you would think they would want to. They actually want to suppress it. That's really? what's going on. Really? B- billions of dollars. Well, they could be making well, some of that money. I mean, right? it's, no, if no, they suppress they, what works. It, it costs me about a half a dollar to treat someone per dose. Okay. So at a half dollar a dose, that doesn't compare to uh, even the regular pills that you might take for the Prozac. Right. Prozac would cost a lot more. But when you talk about procedures that the university, for instance, would want to do with their sophisticated mental health department, they want to do the trans- transcranial magnetic electroshock therapy. You know, those are the two alternatives to ketamine in the uh, depression clinic up at the U. Which right. both sound kind and of awful. And both of the well, transcranial magnetic is cool. Oh, okay. It sounds but, cool, but it, and 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 it doesn't have many side effects. Oh, really? That, that's but it's very expensive. It's mm-hmm. brand new, high tech stuff, uh, but it works. Wow. Uh, from what I've heard, as far as all the studies, never used it myself, but it sounds great. It's something that I would love to add to my ketamine clinic, but it would t- change the whole theme of it. Right. But it, but it is something that would be very cool. On the other hand, electroshock, well, you can go and talk to the U of U people about it, and they'll t- tell you about how it's changed since Jack Nicholson in the 60s. That's and all I has, think of. But it's still electroshock. Yeah. You still lose a few synapses and memories with it. Mm-hmm. And before ketamine, for certain people, totally appropriate. Mm-hmm. But now that ketamine is here, it, it is my opinion for sure that anyone that is being considered for electroshock, fine, but go to ketamine first. Yeah. Which is another new rule I would add to uh, the 
ketamine situation where it used to be, if you go to the U, you have to fail two SSRIs before you can be allowed access to ketamine which is a totally self-serving thing from the beginning. It shouldn't have been initiated. But that, that's just a reflection of the bias against, uh, against ketamine anyway. I am asserting, I just wrote a book on, on ketamine and, and, and my system. Uh, and I as- assert in there that the new rule should be you've got to fail ketamine before you would be allowed to be exposed to the rigors of SSRIs with all their side effects and their lack of efficacy. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru. Remember, when you support our awesome sponsors, you are directly supporting this podcast. The Love Promise program is what makes Subaru and Mark Miller Subaru so special. The Love Promise means being more than just a car company. It's Mark Miller Subaru's vision to show love and respect to all people at every interaction with Subaru. Mark Miller Subaru is dedicated to making the world a better place. And Subaru of America actually selected Mark Miller Subaru as the country's 2018 Love Promise Retailer of the Year. This is the most distinguished award Subaru of America awards each year, and it's only given to one Subaru retailer throughout the entire country. Mark Miller Subaru is selected for this award because of Mark Miller Subaru's unique and strategic approach to supporting charitable causes here in Utah. While Mark Miller Subaru has donated a sizable amount of money over the years, that's not all they do. Mark Miller Subaru develops deep and meaningful partnerships with charities to make real change in our community. So listen up. Whether you're buying a car at Mark Miller Subaru or you're just going to get some service done, you're helping Mark Miller Subaru leave a mark on the lives of others right here in our local Salt Lake City community. Mark Miller Subaru has two convenient locations for you to visit. Mark Miller Subaru Midtown is at 3535 South State Street in Salt Lake City. This is the one Chris and I personally use for all of our Subaru needs. And Mark Miller Subaru Southtown at 10920 State Street in Sandy. Hey, go test drive a Subaru today. I think you're going to like it because I couldn't imagine living here in Utah without our Subaru because it's gotten us out of some sticky situations. And snowy situations. Hey, snowy, rain, (laughs) mud, all that stuff. All of it. Again, go visit them at their Midtown or Southtown locations. And many thanks again to Mark Miller Subaru for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. So what are the side effects of ketamine? Well, first of all, would be the psychedelic experience. I would call that a side effect. See, now I had a horrible psychedelic experience once. Horrible. So why wouldn't you have somebody have a horrible experience on ketamine? Well, uh, having bad experiences is all about set and setting. You know, setting up the right situation and uh, having the right state of mind when you go into it. If you've addressed both of those, you hugely alter the bad trip likelihood. Interesting. All right. But while we're on bad trips, that's one of my favorite things to talk about with ketamine. Yeah. Because we've all heard about bad trips from LSD and all that. Mine was with mushrooms. Right. Mushrooms. And when you get a bad trip on those, they last. Mushrooms, six to eight hours, LSD, 10 to 12 uh, that's a real bad trip. Well, the best part about a ketamine bad trip is that the half-life of ketamine is 20 minutes, which limits your bad trip to 10 minutes. Well, that's cool. It's not bad. So so that's a start. 
note that I'm going to make an argument here for your wanting a bad trip. Okay. So there's two different kinds of bad trips. One is a panic attack where you hyperventilate and go through uh, dizziness, tingling fingers, the breathing getting worse, and all that. So when, when you get that, I deal with you in the same way that I would in the emergency room, where I suggest to you that you slow down your breathing, don't take the deep breaths, all this kind of thing, just like I would with any hyperventilating person. Now, whether or not the patient listens to me, in this case, really doesn't make much difference because I know that in 10 minutes, whether or not he listens to me, the ketamine is going to wear off and the bad trip will fade away. So that's one kind of bad trip. Okay. The other kind of bad trip really is scary. And it's one that uh, I call getting lost in a little loop of infinity. We, we never know where they are, but it, that can be a terror-filled experience. I had an NFL defensive end, more cut than LeBron, rolling around inside one of my rooms doing football rolls. He's confused, this big 270-pound guy. I'll confess I took him down. Well, not really, (laughs) but I guided him. You know, Their experience is all non-guided. So this giant guy is sitting there doing his roles, but you just sort of direct him. And and I have love sacks and carpeted floors. So it's a pretty safe situation. Uh, And then 10 minutes and it's over. So two really interesting facts about this kind of uh, getting lost in a piece of infinity situation. The first is that they don't remember the experience. I did what? The NFL guy said. <laughs> and they all say. Yeah. Uh, so he doesn't remember it, first of all. So no matter how terror-filled it was. Uh, it's not that, like permanently affecting them. isn't going to create a new piece of PTSD, likely, right? Right. Uh, the second part is that the next day, they very oftentimes feel that it's the best day of their life. There was something therapeutic going on. What I like to think of it as being, and I have no idea really if this is the case, is that if you look at some brain scans, they show that the change in activity on the psychedelic just shows hugely more thoughts. It's like there's more consciousness. You know, consciousness is more dense or whatever it looks like. So the Buddhists say that the mind is made up of 10,000 selves. Well, when you have an extra dense consciousness like that, maybe some of those components that don't like each other, you know, you may have one to talk to your son, one to talk to the Utah Highway Patrol. You get them together and maybe they just don't get along. But maybe they also are items that are natively in conflict. Maybe that's a conflict in your personality and that bringing them together starts a conversation that leads to some healing. In any case, my NFL defensive end thought it was the best day of his life the next day. Many people feel that way. And if that's the case and you don't remember the terror, isn't that an argument for wanting a bad trip? Now, do you video these so that you could show it to him, so you could show this football player rolling well, around? On we actually team? do 
video a lot of them, but uh, just for uh, research we don't really purposes, yeah, do yeah, that yeah. that much. And mostly the the video that we have is is just vivid, you know, so it's functional. But mm-hmm. uh, I'm thinking about getting twenty four seven. 4K video for the play, so we can get that. But This episode of the podcast is brought to you by the Salt Lake City Dreadlock Shop. The Salt Lake City Dreadlock Shop's mission is to make Utah cool one dreadlock at a time while offering a clean, affordable, and professional experience filled with love and understanding. And I can personally tell you that they hit it right on the head. I went in there, I got my dreads done, they are just, they're just so incredible. I like, I didn't even want to leave because I had so much fun getting my hair done and spending time with the people there. They're talented. They're just awesome. And they remembered me. They all remembered my name. It was just a great experience. And I think everybody should get a chance to go in there. If you're curious about it, you can have a free consultation with them. Just text them a picture of your hair at 801-824-8298 and include what you're looking for. Include your name And wait for a response. They'll text you as soon as they can, and you will not regret it. Again, you can also visit them online at slcdreads.com or text them at 801-824-8298. And thanks again to Salt Lake City Dreadlock Shop for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Explain to me, I'm I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around this, Bob, is... I don't know a lot about psychedelics. I've, like I said, I had a horrible experience, so I've kind of tried to stay clear of it. Yeah. But how does this? How is this really treating the depression and the PTSD? So they, they like how do like say I wanted to come to you, right? I'm like, hey Bob, I got I got this horrible PTSD. Well, how would it work? Like, what's the basics? Well, I would give you my lecture on the modes of efficacy of okay. ketamine, and while I'm doing that. I'm going to tell you what depression is, which we only learned about two years ago. And I learned about it from a key article that I'll say for some strange reason, I've yet to find a psychiatrist that's read this article. And I think it's because the opening sentence to the article, which is in Nature Magazine, the world's uh, most respected science journal, the opening sentence To this article, it's arguable that the NMDAR catalyst ketamine is the most significant contribution to psychiatry in the past 50 years. Well, that's the reason to keep the U away. They don't want that kind of praise from ketamine. And anyone, big pharma, would hate that. So that's how the article starts off. And then it goes in, and the article is a story about how we have a brain organ, we're born with a brain organ, of despair. So right in front of our pineal gland, about a centimeter and about the same size as the pineal gland, is the lateral habenula. And the lateral habenula records negative experiences in general. It's a dark part of our brain. So it records every bit of stress that you have. And when you reach your unique tipping point, defined by your biology and your environment, it starts firing off a special code to the rest of your brain. That code is called the lateral habenular burst mode. And you can see it. In this article, I have the coolest pictures where first it shows this mouse with his lateral habenular selfie. 
And then it shows the photographs of the lateral habenular neuron, where these clusters of five or six beats repeated define depression. When I see that, I know that rat's in despair, right? So you get to see it. And then you give ketamine, and it disappears completely. Interesting. That's how it abates so, depression. So then right people then. just aren't remembering that stuff. You're kind of blocking it out of the memory. Like, uh, what was that Jim Carrey movie? Eternal Sunshine? Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind? Yeah. So. <laughs> you get people to forget stuff, man. Well, he's trying to forget traumatic memories. Yeah. Now, the way that we would approach Jim Carrey now <laughs> and some of the more sophisticated thinking is that PTSD is thought of as traumatic, terror-filled memories that get trapped in your right brain. That's your brain, creative brain. E- eternity is over there. whole bunch of artistic things. But when it's over there on the right side, it's free in time. And it's free to intrude whenever it wants. So there's a great book on PTSD, uh, entitled The Body Keeps the Score. Uh, And in this, there's an MRI of an active PTSD terror spell. And it shows the right side of the brain all lit up, the amygdalas firing off. But the left side of the brain is shut down. It's not just neutral. It's shut down. When you're Left side of the brain is where your logical thinking is. It's where your speech is. It's where your broca's area that you talk from is. So the theory about how our brains, how our minds address these terror memories is that story is the key item on it. That's little engine that could, beginning, middle, and end story. Well, story is told on the left side of the brain. So a lot of treatment of PTSD has to do with kind of balancing that. Like you've heard of EMDR, eye movement dissociation and, and reprogramming. What that does is alternately lateralize your brain. So you go from right to left, back and forth. It does it visually. The machine is one that you put on headphones and it's back and forth and then there's vibrations in your hands. You can use any of those. But the key thing is you're going back and forth so that that right-sided memory might get tar-babied over into a story over here. So you tell, so you retell the story as you do the EMDR and maybe as you're taking the ketamine also. Ketamine and EMDR is a, a pretty magic combination. Wow. Where EMDR is mostly just done by psychologists. So they can't give ketamine, so it's not they done just, that. And I've heard amazing things about EMDR. Right. Now, yeah. now is this like a one-time visit, multiple times? All of these are multiple yeah. visits. How many times does the average person, or is it, do you go in and you go as many times as needed until you feel it's gone, I guess? Well, let's talk about how we establish what the dose and the intervals of dosing are. Interval is the key thing. Now, ketamine offers a unique response to depression where the original 
person that developed this protocol approach to ketamine, a Dr. Crystal spelled with a K, thought up this thing where if you give this certain amount of ketamine based on your body weight, if you give enough of it, you can get a full three months of freedom from depression. Now, this is coming from a a drug that has a half-life of 20 minutes. So the magic of ketamine is that this drug that lasts 20 minutes, if you give enough of it, can give make changes in the brain that will last for three months or longer. I have some people lasting seven or eight months. Oh, wow. Right? No kidding. Where you get actual freedom from depression, no drug levels, and therefore no side effects. Nothing else offers that. Yeah. Right? That's so, fascinating. So the way that works is the original 0.5 milligrams was chosen as a dose that was a comfortable combination of experiencing psychedelia but not being too lost or upset about it. So that's about 1 120th of a dose. And that's why it was selected, just because it was pleasant to take it without being threatening. Hmm. So once we've got that amount given as a safe baseline level, then we note that if we give one of those injections, either IM or IV over 40 minutes, we'll get 10 to 12 days off of our depression. Now, you have to have the right brain for that. Mm -hmm. But if you have the right brain, basically jumping ahead, what the right brain means is, is that you aren't bipolar, OCD, autistic, or else pain-based in your depression. There's probably a few other categories we don't recognize. But if you are those, you probably aren't going to make it to that full three months. You're generating too much internal stress in your brain. So that lateral habenula just fires off too soon and you don't get that long. So people with those issues, do they have to come in more often? Oh, there's a whole different dynamic approach. That's what I'm explaining to you now. Oh, how okay. we're, uh, we have tons of different options. Jumping ahead, 40% of people have the right brain and can get to three months, whereas pro- probably 60% don't. Now, there's some tweeners where we get to four to six weeks, and is that an interval that's long enough to warrant their coming in for this injection every four to six weeks? Or if they're lower than that, if they're down to one or two weeks, that just it it doesn't work out well. Mm-hmm. You know, you still might want parenteral injections every now and then, but it just doesn't fit into a stable treatment that that much, especially when you have the ketamine trochies. A, a, a ketamine trochy is a lozenge that you put in the sulcus of your cheek and let it dissolve. So it's a medicine that you can take pretty high doses at home. And you take them either every day or every other day or some other personal regimen. Okay. All right. So that's how the breakup is in general. Now, how I decide on that, getting back to that 0.5 milligrams, if I give you one of those doses, you'll get 10 to 12 days off. If, if, you, if I give you two, you'll get 20, 22 days off. If I give you four, you'll get six weeks. 
If I give you six, you'll get 12 weeks off. It's 12 weeks of no depression, no side effects. Sounds no, nice. No drug levels. That's the reason that we hold on and, and have everyone do the parenteral mode and figure out what's going on. So once we've, we know that schedule, how did the original guys figure out that six doses were needed? I'll do this, and then we'll get down to my system. So uh, in the beginning, what are the possibilities? Well, the obvious one is you give it all at once. You can't do that because you get way too wiped out. A little overloaded. Yes. Yeah. No one will tolerate. Emergence reactions, which we'll talk about later, get much worse. Mm-hmm. That's, that's essentially a bad trip, but it's, it's more complicated than that. So the next option comes from ketamine's unique half-life, that 20 minutes. That would allow us to give all of those 0.5 milligram doses in three hours. You just give them every half an hour. Interesting. Right? And it could be, because what happens when I give an IM dose is if I inject, you'll have two to three minutes before you'll feel anything. And then you'll get the first twinkle. Very, very subtle. But it's a bell-shaped curve that's building up rapidly. So it peaks in 18 minutes. On your way up, you fly right by the IV level. You know, when you give it IV, it just goes up to a certain level and stays there. Mm-hmm. The IM ketamine with the, with the bell-shaped curve actually goes twice as high as the IV level. And then it comes down in 18 minutes and you're ready for, for the next dose at 30 minutes. So you could give six doses in that three hours, but your brain isn't ready for it yet. You have to be acclimated. That's what I'm going to be doing is acclimating your brain. Psychedelics may be the most shocking thing to the human brain there is, yeah. but they can learn to tolerate it. Yeah. So you, and if you do it slowly in the right circumstance, you can get it done. And a lot of people have had success on this. I mean, what's the percentage oh, yeah. of success versus non-success? Or is everybody successful? The I'm industry sure. claims in general 70 to 85%. Okay. I was just curious because, you know, back to then SSRIs, I mean, obviously they don't work for everybody. So it's like, well, does ketamine work for yeah, everybody? The percentage that they would claim is someplace around 35 or 40, which is okay. right around in there with a sugar pill. Okay. So they spend their time comparing ketamine to a sugar or comparing whatever agent you're you're testing to a sugar pill okay right so the next option for those original docs figuring out the regimen where you can't give it all at once the next option is once a day if i give one of those injections every day works great so when i have people fly in from out of town that don't want to stay in salt lake for the 12 days i will give it every day But if you live here in town, you're complaining. That's too clustered. You don't want to come in every day. So for the patients, there's an extra day inserted. So the standard regimen that most people start with is that 0.5 milligrams per kilogram given every other day for 12 days. And if the patient gets three months off, he's really happy with that. Oh, yeah. Right? And that's the end of the story. If you get to there, I don't have to do any more figuring out with you. We aren't figuring out your ketamine dose. You'll get that. I'll tell you about my regimen in, in a bit. But, but here, 
that is how you treat an epidemic. Yeah. 80 million Americans with it. You know, that's a cheap way, access, easy to do. But it's still six doses here. Mm -hmm. So the patient likes it. Do the doctors like that? Well, the doctors get to charge six times. Of course, they love it. Bless their hearts. Mm -hmm. But I'm the cheapest ketamine in America for two reasons. One is the $300 dose. But I'm actually one-sixth that price because... What I'm doing is condensing those six doses down to one dose. So then it's only, you know, instead of $1,800, if it was $300 for those six doses, it'll just be $300. Interesting. Right? Yeah. So that's how I'm the cheapest ketamine in America. Now, how do I get there? Well, I use those six doses, but only once. That's when I'm going to acclimate your brain. I will turn you into a psychonaut, if you will. Interesting. That's our word that we'll borrow. <laughs> but, but that's, yeah, but you will acclimate to this, mm -hmm. especially if you're realizing, hey, I'm not depressed anymore. Mm -hmm. One of the greatest releases, and I never saw this before I'd seen ketamine, is to watch a depressed person lose their depression. I practiced medicine for 40 years before I ever saw it once. Now, I see it routinely, Wow! right? Every day, I see changes. You know, as an ER doc, I saw tens of thousands, at least you know, thousands, probably tens of thousands. I have no idea in 40 years how many depressed people came through. And, oh, yeah. And, and what happens when they're in my ER? Well, I, I call the, the shrink or the social worker and Send ask them, them, should they stay or should they go, mm -hmm. right? And it's determined, and they leave, and nothing happens to the depressed person. Now, every day I go to work, I see people that go through changes, improvements that I know no one in the history of mankind has seen without a bottle of ketamine in his hand. Wow. Except maybe Jesus. It seems like ketamine. My only competition. And of course, it's not. Well, he's mine. not here right now. It's so. ketamine's right. It, it, it seems like ketamine can fix our mental. You know, every. I mean, mental, mental issues ever been on the planet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and to have and to be suppressing that. So why are? It's just actually, mean. I knew you were talking about it billions in of dollars. So, so you say people fly here to see you? Is it ketamine not yeah. available in all states? I'm, but I'm cheap. Okay, and okay. and also I think I have the best process well, sure. I mean, going. You look, I mean, you're a great guy. I mean, of course they'd want to come and see you. I was just curious no, if there the was a process. attraction. It's, yeah, 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 it's yeah. not me. It's not personality. <laughs> it's Bob. Okay. Bob's here. No, I got a couple of questions here. So we mentioned in the Facebook group, I want to make sure to get to these, Bob, here. Or, Can I explain yeah, my system? You, know, oh, you want to hear what's going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry. Then we'll We've go back only to this. gotten part way here, so oh. we haven't figured out how to get to this one day of ketamine that's going to last three to eight months. Yeah. Right? So I have to build up your brain. And this is the way I've, I've done it. So I take those six treatments, and I'll use them, but only once. And I call this KIST, Ketamine Intramuscular Step System for Depression. There's 10 steps on your way to the final booster dose, which is the amount of ketamine that will last you for three months. So I start off, use those six. Each one of those 
six visits that you're going to be making, or the five visits for the first five, you get two injections. I start off at that 0.5 milligrams per kilogram, and I'll be gentle on the first dose. So if your dose was 40, I'll give you 30 on the first dose, and I bump it up 10 milligrams each time. So you'll get 40 on the second dose on that first day. You'll get 30 and 40. Then I'll let you go for two days, and you'll come back, and you'll get 50 and 60, then 70 and 80. And each step is an opportunity for us to ask you what's going on and to make sure it's okay. And also, as kind of calculated other object, this gives the patient a way to structure psychedelia. You know, normally, take a psychedelic and everything is stretched out in proportion and <laughs> yeah. colors are weird and all. Emotions just running wild. Just completely out of your control. Space, time, all that stuff gets stretched. Well, when you're going up 10 milligrams a time, it gives you at least a little bit of structure and you do get a sense at it. So you have reference points. So... If you got too much, if, if your experience was a little bit intense, you can dial it back a little bit. And after people have had a few doses, they get a sense of how much they want to dial it back. Oh, just give me five this time or something along those lines. So it allows structure also. Interesting. Uh, as well as chances to ask about it. So continuing on. So on that fifth day, we will built up to a target level. And we'll look at you and ask you questions and make sure some people get up there and that dose is approximately 1.2 milligrams per kilogram. That's an important number for the anesthesiology people to be looking at compared to the 0.5 and it gives us a sense of it. And that's it's another marker there. But when we get to that fifth day, say if you start with that 30 and 40, it'd be around 120. So on the sixth day, I'd give you three of those. So you get three 120 milligram doses. I call each injection a leg. I call the whole thing a booster. So that booster is going to define you, or at least the interval that flows from that booster. So I give you those three injections, and then I let you go. And we wait for you to come back. When you start getting and depressed, you're you waiting come back? for your depression to come back. Yeah. So the patient's sitting there, happy as happy can be, like they've never seen before or in years. Mm -hmm. And then when the depression comes back, they come back to the clinic and we measure the interval. Interesting. If they lasted that three months, it's just like I told you for the other one that started with 0 0.5. Mm -hmm. If they last that three months, hey, we're there. That's it. But each time they come back, again, we'll be looking at the interval. You're just if gauging it constantly. Sometimes they'll change or they have yeah. experiences in their life. They have a traumatic episode in their depression. Yeah. Starts coming back or whatever. Is it hard for people to realize that their depression is coming back ever? Like, do some people kind of slide not back usually. into it and not realize it? Just as in to be freed from depression is one of the glories of existence. Maybe right. maybe I don't know what that's like yet, but <laughs> right. I'm just curious because I know, I mean, I, I, I'm diagnosed with extreme depression, clinical, whatever, but I don't realize that that's what's happening to me. That so I'm happens curious all about the that. time. Seriously? Sure. You don't realize? 
Oh no, no, uh, I never realized that people have to point it oh, out. Oh, you to learn me. to like, deal oh. with it. It gets to be it, well, so. Well, it's common. your normal, right? And then, yeah. Well, Freud said the average person was mildly depressed. That's the most he could get you to. Mm-hmm. Right. So, which I thought was so just the way it, it is. Reasonable for everyone to ask the question: Gosh, am I clinically depressed, meaning that it's acquired, or am I just born with this? Yeah. You know, like. All of my extreme sports guys, they look depressed, huh. right? The only time when they're lit up is when they're doing some extreme sport. Right, and they have all the endorphins going. Right. And, like, but when they wake rushes. up in the morning, oh, man, you know, they're sort of down and all that. Yeah. It's just an, I think that's what a lot of action folks are like. If they aren't in the action, they're mildly it's, depressed it's up like, or down. Fo- like yeah. yeah so that's not an acquired depression hmm. that's sort of a born you know that's what the warrior's depression interesting he's not happy unless he's sticking a sword in someone yeah i mean it makes sense to me right. but <laughs> it just it sounds like my life no one i know i'm like that's exactly what i'm like I'm except you know i don't, a sword I don't in... stick people but <laughs> if i'm not doing something that's hyperactively engaging my brain i'm pretty down if we get to my theory on depression on where it comes from. That's mm-hmm. an exciting drama-filled story that we'll get to in a little bit. But uh, let's see. Have we finished? No, we haven't finished my thing yet. So so I let you go with that uh, booster dose, right? And we're waiting for you to tell us how long you're... De- so if you last three months, like I said, we're done. We just continue that forever. You're a Same success. treatment every right, right now, you're a success. Okay. But if you only last one month, well, it was a good month, first of all, right? Yeah. Best month anybody you've would had take in that, a long, right? long time. Yeah. But it's only a month. We want three. Mm-hmm. We know that that's on the table. So with one month, I start maneuvering the ketamine. So what I'll do the first time is to give you an extra leg. You had three before, I'll add a fourth. I'm looking for an extra week. If I get an extra week, hey, we're on to something. I'll give you another leg. So that's five legs you're going to get, but you're getting six weeks. Six weeks is enough to come in every six weeks. You know? Yeah, yeah, That's it is. treatable. Uh, the next step down, say you're at two weeks, you're probably not going to get to the Holy Grail, right? So I'll still give you a treatment because you're depressed, but I'll start you on the ketamine trochees also. And that's probably going to be your future. And over the next few months, we'll slowly build that up, watch you, watch your vital signs while you're taking those higher doses. And eventually, you'll be able to take it home with a chaperone. Interesting. That's the big portrait of, of, of how we do it here. That's really cool. It is. Wow. A couple is. of questions. I want to make sure to get to these questions uh, from our Facebook group before we're out of time here today, Bob. Uh, Rochelle wants to know, so she's heard it's used to treat addiction. Some pla- mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of it? Uh, oh, yeah. Does that work? And can it be addictive? So can, can ketamine be addictive, I guess? And then can it be used for to treat addiction? It can. Okay. First of all, let's do the ketamine addiction thing. That just takes a second. So with the modern ad- definition of addiction, all you have to do is, in, in these shift, is do something four times a week. You're an addict. So well, <laughs> that includes milk, reading. Interesting, you know. So that's kind of a ridiculous one, but it has mm-hmm. some sense. 
in certain areas, it, it, it plays a role there. But is it addictive like opiates? No, or, or it doesn't. Like, a, like nicotine, like a cigarette. No, yeah, man. it oh, doesn't oh, have man. withdrawal symptoms. Yeah, yeah. When you stop it, you don't have a focal withdrawal. Hmm. But being normal is pretty groovy, to use uh, an old word. <laughs> All right? Hey, I like groovy. Well, it is, especially groovy. when you yeah, don't really it, know it what it's like. Groovy came to us with the first psychedelics, so I claim appropriateness. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, let's see. So Where does it does it treat addiction? Oh, oh yeah, uh, for mm-hmm. the addiction. But it, so it has no withdrawal symptoms. Uh-huh. But if you're uh, if it's depression versus normalcy, and the ketamine is there, you you can call that a, a variety of addiction. Yeah, I'm I'm addicted to normalcy to mm-hmm. being healthy. Being depressed is definitely an illness, and and your relief from that is a glory. It's the kind of glory that any conventional thinking mind would worry about with the joys of opiates, for instance. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's at least what an opiate rush is. And mo- most addicts would describe that as the ultimate drug high kind of thing, right? But to be freed from depression, when people walk around with this gorilla on their back and forget about it half the time because it's so normal as you were just talking about not recognizing your depression all the time that's totally common we learn to slug through life depressed yeah because but suddenly if that gorilla is taken off your back there are some of the greatest most profound joys we can know suddenly you know you're free of that uh I, there's not much that compares to that. Wow. Wow. Let's go get some ketamine. I really want Chrissy. to because I can't even imagine. I mean, yeah. oh, if not you, to have if, like a little boohoo moment, but. If you I, carry a diagnosis, sounds, you're probably going to be blown away with yourself. I mean, I huh. couldn't tell that you're depressed looking at you. Well. But if you give me I that. I hide it well. <laughs> I'll, I can, yeah. Well, Freud recognized it, not me. Yeah, so, right. So, Sean, another one of our listeners wants to know who the ideal who the ideal candidate for such treatment is. It's, I mean, perfect. You're talking about having Chrissy come in there. Who is the ideal candidate? Anyone that is suffering from the stress diseases, you know, which is like everyone in America right anxiety, now. Anxiety. Yeah. Everyone's anxious. The, mm-hmm. the worst off right now, it looks like are the kids. Teens oh are going gosh. south at rates that are incomprehensible. I, Every kid that comes through, I do a query on and ask them about their peers, where they give me numbers like 50 to 90 percent. 50 to 90 percent of kids. If that's valid, we have a World War II level of concern here. That's We've never seen that before. Oh, it's definitely worse for the teens now than it's ever been, right. I think. It's, it's pretty bad. And it's getting worse. And yeah. I don't even see it being questioned by by the universe by the academic people yeah you know atlantic magazine had the best article i've seen on it right but uh otherwise no it's just going crazy it's out of control yeah for sure yeah so 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 you do treat teens so so teens how young oh so teens certainly i've treated kids as as young as seven and in the er you know we sew up the little kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my cutoff 
in the ER would probably be three years. Otherwise, treating them without the pediatrician would probably be maybe 12 or something. I would always want the pediatrician or the pediatric psychiatrist involved whenever you can. But from the studies, it's mostly neuronal studies and developing basically fetus level stuff. So Hmm. it's probably okay one or two year olds. Right. Interesting. But I wouldn't do that. Right. You, know, you don't even know at Three, that point, I think you'd really. be pretty safe. And I'm sure if I was working in ERs, there there would be a working age range that the academic folks had decided upon, and it'd be something in that range. But right now, the negatives are mostly neuronal studies in fetal mice, hmm. right? Hmm. So, mm-hmm. I think, I mean, I just, I'm sorry I keep interjecting, but I love... That that's an option because so many of us with teenage kids who have real depression or anxiety issues, we can't get them help because traditional psychiatry refuses to really look at them and try to figure out how they can help them. They're just like, well, they're a teenager. They're going to be moody. And it's like, but some some have real problems. They're killing themselves. They're going to drugs. They're so strange. And I understand the confusion there. And for conventional mental health people, they don't have options, and they pretty much know it. Yeah. They know that at best, SSRIs are marginal. Mm-hmm. And do you want – I mean, the way we really think about SSR, they aren't really treating depression. We don't know how they work, right? Interesting. We don't know. We know how – how a ketamine works is a lateral habenular burst mode abatement plus a few others. Mm-hmm. Uh, dendritic repair, pure psychedelics offer a little bit, but mostly that lateral habenular burst mode abatement. But with SSRIs, we don't know how they work. We don't know what they do. Really think they mostly just put a lid on your brain. <laughs> there aren't which, as many emotions. Which so far so, I'm like on board with uh, up to now because it's like at least it helps me get through the day. But if there's something better. With many people, not everyone because yeah. mm-hmm. dry mouth, overweight, no, you know, there's some negatives. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. And now that ketamine is there, uh, their second line instead of first is what they should be. Yeah. Ketamine for everybody, right? Yay! We, I, <laughs> oh. I wrote one article where the last sentence was, what would America be like if everyone had access to ketamine? Now, Big Pharma just would be horrified at that thought. You know, well, Death of an industry. They couldn't send as many kids over to surf Waikiki. Got some Salt Lake City questions that you we bet. have to ask Go here. Ahead. Uh, we ask everybody that comes through here, Bob. We have family and friends that visit Salt Lake, come to the city, come to the area. What's the what's the Bob tour? What uh, where where do you take people to and show them around? Well, I'm a mountain guy and I'm a snow person, so winter time and snow skiing, snowboarding is my thing. Summertime, I'd have a hard time taking folks around i'm i'm really uh, more of an ocean person but i would take them again to the mountains and hiking and actually if, if i have time uh, i'm obsessed with the four corners area okay mm-hmm. and all the geology i love our geology and all the canyon lands and down there buried in the canyon lands all that anasazi stuff 
you know, the disappearance. I was, I was raised in Denver. Some of, I, I remember very distinctly going to the Denver Natural History Museum. I think it was a natural history, maybe not, if, if this is archaeology. Anyway, whatever museum in Denver covered Mesa Verde, uh, they would have an exhibit on that and a diorama and a, and a few mummies and stuff. And then they had no idea what the abandonment was all about. Hmm. It was all brand new. Interesting. I mean, they, what, it was discovered 50 years earlier, but the archaeology really hadn't gotten much better. Uh, since then, mostly the guys down at the universities in, in New Mexico and Arizona have carbon-14 every timber, measured every angle, and really have the abandonment laid out, and we understand it a whole lot more. So that's a wonderful thing for me, to be hiking down in the Four Corners area and looking for these cool Anasazi things, and of course, leaving everything there untouched, because <laughs> it's a great open-air yeah. museum. But uh, that's where I would take them. Very nice. Cool. What about, yeah. do you have like uh, any favorite local eating spots, right? Like around town, around the area that you like by yourself with friends, wherever, you know? Well, leaving all those expensive places off the list. Uh, I have a few favorite places I drop into a lot. I love the chicken mushroom Alfredo at Couscous on uh, 900 East and about... It's about 50, about 50, 70, 51, 52, something we, like we that. We used to go there a lot back th- in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah that place that's is good. a really good place. I just, you know, I'm so into couscous now, and it's all their fault. <laughs> <laughs> it really is, isn't it? Right, right. And then uh, on Highland, there's a, there's a pokey place. I think it's laid back pokey. It's on Highland. Laid, laid back pokey shock? Pokey shack? Is that what, what, what is, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. What yeah. is pokey? Yeah, you got it. Po- pokey? 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 It's a uh, Hawaiian... Oh, it's like a little candy, uh, raw, isn't it? Raw fish, basically. Oh, it's little, like Hawaiian sushi in a bowl, oh, right? Oh, okay. I, was thinking, I was thinking candy. Fixed up in different ways, different sauces, oh, okay. rice. I can get down with and, that. It's super interesting. seaweed and stuff like that. And I think it's the healthiest food in the universe. What would you change about Salt Lake City or the area, the valley, if you could? Let's say Bob became the mayor. Why aren't things happening in the city, huh? I mean, I just always feel like it's so, you know, when I go downtown, Salt Lake is, although, although it's changed a bunch in the last 15 years, it's one of the more dead downtowns. Of, it's of hopping any, these of any, days, man. What? It's hopping. It's, it's hopping. N- nowadays, more, yeah. like, I, I would say okay, in the last three know, or four years, it's gotten. Maybe I'm just an old guy that <laughs> has, has faded out of that, but I'm always impressed by how we aren't New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So, right. So I sort of like that core big city like stuff. Like the hubbub. A little bit. Yeah. yeah the hustle and the bustle. I, that's I always, we do too. When I was younger, I always wanted to move to Manhattan for that reason, right? Just because I was like, I want, you know, every time you leave the house, just to be in this crowd of people. It's I just the people. energy. I find that if I'm not around people, I get depressed. That's where a lot of my depression uh, really starts to come in. But on the other hand, you know, we aren't New York or L.A. and have to worry about all the gangs in certain areas, too. Not nearly as much. I'm hardly ever aware of dangerous parts of town, even though there are certainly differences. Right. But I really appreciate the the general safety and 
and uh, tone of Salt Lake as opposed to the rest of America. Even in the politics, I don't feel politics so hugely in Salt Lake. I mean, of course, it affects every person. Right. But it's just more civilized. Yeah. Before we completely wrap this episode up today, Bob, is there, I'd like to open it up. Is there anything that you wanted? I, I know we just skimmed the surface with ketamine and with everything, what it is, the power of what it is. I mean, we'll just have to bring you back through here. Uh, but is there anything that you want to uh, make sure to say or shout out or, I mean, let's even give you your address of where you're at, how people can get a hold of you, stuff like that. I think we've talked about how wonderful and unique ketamine is. Yeah. We've just never had a way of treating depression. As I said, my 40 years spent in the ER was a time of never seeing depressed people get better. Mm-hmm. And now I'm seeing just an amazing response rate. I'm frankly always surprised that I come to work and there isn't a two-mile-long line of people outside of my door to get this medicine. Because I know they're all sick out there, right? There's, There's just tons not a lot of, of people that would do so much better with ketamine if they'll get to it. Mm-hmm. But getting to it isn't a part of the normal medical system. Your insurance isn't going to cover it. So you it really takes a particular effort and a particular insight And depressed minds are generally not willing to mess with the complexity of that, right? That's kind of the problem. They're in their own little mud holes that are a product of the disease. Mm -hmm. And depressed people have been promised so much for so long. And the effort, the great effort that it takes for a depressed mind to rise to those occasions and muster some optimism for it has been squashed so many times that I just want you to take one more chance because this is the one that will likely work. It's awesome. I think it you should try awesome. it, Chrissy. Oh, I want to try it so bad. I mean, I, should, that, I, mean, I, got, the, I got depression, anxiety, I know, all we're, that a stuff. Mess. we're just We're a mess. We're a mess. You know, and it works great for couples together. It's amazing marital therapy. Will you do it together? Like, uh, oh, yeah. like, a, like a date night, right? Like a couple's package, Well, and if, right? if you <laughs> progress to the ketamine trochee thing, huh. oh, yeah. wouldn't it be a nightly marital therapy if you were both depressed and happened on that? Now you have to get to it individually for but interesting that's cool it is really cool i mean it's it's it just is so exciting that there's possibly something that really helps more than what we have we just have never had this before Mm -hmm. and it's such a sad state of affairs that the folks that should be holding it up in the air and saying come on in we've got it just aren't doing it. Yeah, we They're just trying need more, to get you more elsewhere. people. Where are you located at? How can people find you? A phone number, address, website? Ketamine SLC is the working name. If you Google that, that'll show up. We have a website and the data is on there. Physically, uh, well, we're actually moving, but right now we're at the corner of 900 East and Van Winkle. Okay. I know exactly where that is. So, yeah, yeah. But mostly, you know, it's 4885 South 900 East, number 202. But uh, go to the website. 
Especially if you're going to be moving, right? Right. Yeah. You know, go, right. go to the, the website will keep track of both areas and we'll probably keep both offices open for a while. Right on. And I'll put all that information at IamSaltLake.com yeah. with this episode, Bob. Chrissy throws a final question out. I'm going to let her throw that out. It's been awesome to have you in here today. Well, thanks Let's, a lot. We'll, it's we'll, been great, Chris I'll, uh, It's really been awesome. We'll, we'll get you back through here. We'll get yeah, you back through sure. here and dig deeper into ketamine. But uh, throw your question Yeah, out. so before we let you go, would you leave our listeners with one piece of life advice or a motto that you live by? I'd probably borrow a Ram Dass or something, be here now. Something that would direct you toward mindfulness, presence, meditation. I think all that stuff is hugely valuable and it's all so much more easily accessed after the ketamine. You know, meditating on depression is tough. You just don't have your neurotransmitters there. Many thanks again to Dr. Robert Heemstra for joining us on this episode. All the links that we mentioned in this conversation can be found with this episode show notes on our website at IamSaltLake.com slash 425. That's for episode 425. And we have weekly recommendations. These are uh, some good recommendations because you're probably quarantined at home. You're <laughs> looking for something to do. Yep. Uh, well, this last week, uh, I found this show called Vice Principles on HBO. It's actually pretty good. It's got my boy Danny McBride in it. Love him. Super funny guy. Uh, I'm I'm enjoying it though. It's, it's a, a good one. It's a it's a decent show. Got some chuckles, got some laughs. So if you're looking for a new series to watch while you're quarantined, check out Vice Principles on HBO. Agreed. And for me, I actually my recommendation was actually given to me from Chris, so it's kind of really his recommendation. But I'm gonna steal it. The Winchester Mystery House is now offering virtual tours because they had to close because you know we're all staying at home right now. So I'm definitely going to buy a ticket and go through the virtual tour because it is like the coolest thing. Are they tr- so they're charging for tickets to, to, yeah, to take I it? Think, I think it's like $26. I think the same price as a ticket if you were to walk oh. through the actual house. Hey, that's a brilliant way to but, make money though. I right. mean, they got to keep their business going. Winchester Mystery House. I went there when I was like 10 years old. I am so jealous. Faint memories of going oh. there. But uh, I posted it on my Facebook. I'll post the link at IamSaltLake.com with this episode as well. So you can go check it out. Aren't you loving all the creativeness though oh, that yeah. you're seeing? Watching everybody uh, doing like with, um, virtual concerts. Concerts and like the arts are really coming out of the woodwork and and saving a lot of people's sanity right now. It's really cool. And I love uh, seeing the people that are stepping up doing mm-hmm. things like our friends over at Five Wise Vodka. They're making the hand sanitizer. Sugar House Distillery is doing that as well. And I, well, I want to say Hammerspring is actually making hand sanitizer as well. That's so great. So if anybody can get their hands on some of this. Gosh, you know, I'm uh, trying to ingenuity Ty Burrell, our boy Ty Burrell that yeah. owns Bar X and, and Beer Bar. He's he's doing a lot to help downtown with our restaurants and, and whatnot uh, with all of them closed. Mm-hmm. Gosh, it it's is really it's, it's a wild cool time to, to be alive. It is right wild. Now. I mean, it's 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 scary. It's whatever. It's, you know, kind of depressing. But watching everyone band together has been really cool. And make sure, come and join I Am Salt Lake community. I'm trying to get a little more uh, information about COVID-19 in there, things that we could do as a community. I think yeah. we're having a great time in there. Yeah, <laughs> great time. No, it's a great group. It's really, really nice to keep up with everybody. But uh, let's wrap this episode up, Chrissy. I am hungry, but what else is new? <laughs> Food is good. A few things before we leave. You can subscribe to this podcast in your favorite podcast app. We're also on Spotify and Pandora. Just search for I Am Salt Lake inside of any of those apps and hit the subscribe button. All right. You guys have a great week. 
Like I always say, always remember to support our awesome businesses right here in Salt Lake City. Give your mom a call. Tell her you love her. We'll see you right here next week on the next episode of I Am Salt Lake Podcast. And good night, Grammy. Grammy.